and naturally we also then had to start funding interims. Very quickly, we had run out of money if we had pulled our personal money into that, that pot um, and it started getting used really quickly. So what we learned from Deepak and James was it's less about margin improvements, more about payment days and terms, which again, we're so naive, so naive. Today we are talking to Ben and Vicky, two of the three founders of Ignata Finance. Ignata Finance is a very fast growing bespoke finance recruitment company that is backed by James Kahn from Dragon's Den and they take us through their story. It's really uber interesting and I think you'll learn a lot. I'm Jack Swallow, chair of the entrepreneur group at the IOD and this is Ignata Finance. Um, so, Ignata Finance, um, obviously I've done my research, but it might be better coming from you. Yeah. What did you do? How did you get here? Okay, cool. So, Ignata Finance is a, an executive search firm specialising in recruiting senior finance professionals, predominantly in London and the South East, but we, we work globally at the moment, but the relationships best sit in London and the South East. When did it start? Um, October 2017. Yeah. So we're nearly four years. And you started with three people. Correct. Yes. So Vicky and I have worked together every day of our working lives <laughs> uh, at another firm. And Steve Revel was our biggest investor for a good ten years. And so I phoned Steve up and said, "Do you fancy doing something a bit different?" To which he said, "Yes." And that is when we got together, effectively yeah, started kitchen. in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, very classic embryonic. Yeah, the kitchen, the kitchen. Was, kitchen was, was where we started, but within three or four months, we, we found this, this office. How many people are you now? So we are now nine. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to mix the questions around. Because yeah. um, how important was it that you didn't start on your own and you had two others with you? Yeah, so I think I, I say this to everyone that asks. I, I sort of lack the total courage and um, financial funds to go completely on my own. So how Glass Finance was actually born isn't particularly well known. Um, James Khan of Dragon's Den um, had been approaching me for about two years prior to me leaving my previous employer. And uh, I actually played football with a guy who We've gone and created a joint venture with James and made a real success of it and it doesn't work now, so it was a good advert. <laughs> and um, he said you should have lunch with James and uh, in the end I caved and I know you always sort of laugh and say how risk averse I am and it did take two years to sort of just take the first meeting. Um, but I felt doing it with him and I looked at many others was, was critical because we would have the, um, the experience, obviously you know, his biggest Success is Alexander Mann, but been many since then. Um, and, and he knows the industry better than Vicky Steve or I ever will do. And so finding that partner, both from a financial investment perspective, as well as the cerebral, strategic, and, and thought provoking aspect was, was critical for us. So I think Vicky and I, especially, didn't want to be a husband and wife combination sat in our kitchen for five years yeah. and so um, I think the business has taken off far faster as a result of James's time, investment and network, let's be honest. And also we came up with 
regards to your question, I think doing that on your own is quite soul destroying. So it was really important that Steve and I came on board. Uh, you know, for, for lots of different reasons, if Ben did it on his own, it's quite risky. If we did it together, it's even more risky being part of the same household with children yeah. and mortgage and all sort of the rest. And actually, we all come from it in um, from different directions because Ben is very, very much focused on a specific sector um, and at a sort of C-suite level. I run our interim practice and always have, and that's all my experience has always been in that area. And then Steve has this almost following. Yeah, it does sound wrong. <laughs> in, in, in Sussex, and, and sorry, but... From an SME perspective, uh, he, he people just come out of the woodwork that he came 15 years ago and just sort of say, "See, do you remember me? Can we like give you a job?" He's um, people love him, don't they? So it was a really nice blend of different skill sets, yeah. and we do always joke about our positions in the company, don't we? And, and we, this is an internal joke, but we'll share it because Ben's the CEO, you the CTO, and I'm the CFO. We always joke that actually we're so different as people. Yeah. It really works when we're mm-hmm. together. And I think that it's just less risk, less risky than doing it on your own. Especially when you get on with people that you're working with. But we didn't know Steve, so that was a risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. More of a risk than him. Yes, Steve was, but, we'd never met Steve when okay. we asked him to come and join us. Um, but we had heard incredibly good things from clients and candidates alike, and he constantly passed work to us okay. that he couldn't fill. And because we never couldn't fill anything, he never got that back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So we had yeah. that mutual respect and, um, and we were constantly passing people across the two firms that we both work for. Okay. And I think that's really rare in recruitment where people are just like, I'll do the better thing for you, candidate A. I just can't find a role for you. I know these guys are recruiting over here, here, and here. So and he's, well, got, he's got such a he's got such a great reputation in the market. That kind of knew he was the sort of person they wanted to that okay. from an integrity perspective work with. And yeah. it was, it's not even a risk for him. Can you imagine working with a husband and wife team? I said to him recently, you're not worried. He said, No, no, I knew I knew I was working with two really good people. So that's not mine. Yeah. And he's yeah. obviously not here to validate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's on a call in Portugal, which is where he spends most of his time. Uh, we do we do the hardcore work, and see just laps it up on the golf course. So I actually thought you had the idea, and then you went to James. No, most most people do. You right? expect it to be happening. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So James is listening to her killer's ego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so why did it take you two years to go for that first meeting? Because I am super risk averse and the kids were incredibly young. I really enjoyed the company I worked for and I'd, I'd have zero bad words about the time I spent there and I'm uber grateful for everything they did for me. So I could just see myself being there another 10 years and I kind of needed someone to say there is a better way. <laughs> and, and actually, Weirdly, over the last four years, I've really found that I'm, I must have been an incredibly frustrated entrepreneur in a big corporate. Okay. And you obviously work with me, and I think you've referenced that that was probably the case, but I didn't necessarily understand that until I took the deep dive to go. And, and, and literally, it was utterly, you know, you start with a blank canvas, you have no database, you can't do anything untowards, so you, yeah. you've literally got to start fresh. And talk to a whole load of people you've never talked to before because you can't break those covenants. So 
I learned how to get back into business development and like Uber cold calling, which was really against everything that I ever was good for. And actually, you know, it flourished. And and, and I I worked for a year before Steve and Vicky joined because of those restrictions and, and the ability to get the business, you know, sort of created legally and financially and, and structurally, I guess. So then they joined in October the 17th when we were able to physically go out to market. And also, you know, Ben had restrictions that he couldn't take someone from that business that weren't yeah. the same business. Even if I was married to Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were by the book, actually. They were really good and we just had to in the right way because we're in for the long term, not the short term. Yeah. So we did. Yeah. But it was amazing. I do that. I've never worked so hard in my life in those first few months, but it was, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you see it as a risk? Um, we, yeah. Well, they different Yes and no, because James, it, it, it almost, we had that backing. So mm-hmm. and we had a, we done a prediction with CFO of James' companies to look at the cash burn for the year mm-hmm. and what we cost. And so therefore, it wasn't a case of you were make money on day one. It was a case of this is what we're looking at as a forecast. And there was cash burn for seven months. Seven or eight months. And yeah. we made money in our first. Month. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, six weeks in we were, okay. we were profitable because we'd sold yeah. a few retainers and okay. got off to a good start. But um, I was one of James's businesses in our first year that we returned a decent profit mm. and he just didn't accept it. Yeah. So but to answer your question about was it, did it feel like a risk? I, I, I would say no because when you spend 12 years at that time, I would have been doing 12 years and people, you know, sort of give you relatively sensible feedback about. Yeah, what you do is, is the right way to do it. Yeah. Replicating that with the, the gusto of doing it for yourself and the entrepreneurial flair of creating ideas, making them happen instantly, kind of felt like it was a, a no risk. And being really honest, I thought I've got 12 years in one company, yeah. I can screw this up and, and, and look for another, you know, another life, another type of role again. Um, I've, got, I've got time on my side. I mean, there was never any thought in our mind that it's not going to work. Yeah. It was a risk because it's all, it always was, you look, at your, you look at your situation, you think, what, what's it? But we never really focused on that too much. Yeah. We just cracked on, didn't we? Yeah. We didn't do much thinking, actually. We just cracked <laughs> on a lot yeah. the first six months. And then I think um, even four years down the line, the biggest um, constructive feedback we received from, from James is, is you guys don't spend enough time thinking and strategizing and thinking bigger picture. Um, you know, for example, something I've never ever contemplated in a previous life is buying a business, and yet we've looked at three businesses to buy that okay. are competitors or aligned strategically, um, and we've been looking at the last sort of six to twelve months, and I think that that's really really insightful. Is just getting excited about mm-hmm. you know an instant acquisition of a twelve-person business, which isn't small. Um, in, in the recruitment sector, there's plenty of naught to five people, really good firms around. Um, but um, that that's the bit I think he would say you guys should and could spend more time reflecting, um, which is something we constantly say and probably don't actually know. Okay. So, now, so yeah, moving on, every so a few, few LinkedIn connections um, with other recruiters, and almost every at least one a month, I'd say. They've gone independent and then they try and start a business. Mm. Um, why did you think 
Ignato would be a success. I guess there's so many out there. Why are you different? Yeah. Uh, well, you're right. There's tons out there. There's some really good ones out there, and there's space for all of us. Is is one one thing I'd say. I think secondly, um, the reason we set the business up was there's all sorts of ways that you realise in a big corporate you can do things differently, which are just not capable or able to to materially change. Um, and I felt that Steve picking vendors, three founders, and actually changing the way that we recruit, um, being more agile in terms of how we structure deals, how we go to market. I'll give you a really good example. In big businesses, you could be my client, Jack, and I could, you could tell me I've just moved to Norwich and I would have to get up or we have a, an East Anglia office. So I'm really sorry, here's, here's the person you need to deal with. And that structure never changes. It won't change again. And yet we found super amounts of success where we followed client relationships and candidates alike to Norway, to South Africa, to um, Chicago, and also to Norwich, to Manchester, and to Birmingham, where those relationships have just said, "Can you kind of come with us?" And we've, you know, those those international and those more local but slightly further field opportunities have allowed us, I think, to do what we do really well, but on a wider scale. Um, and there are just so many restrictions working in a, a, a corporate that don't allow you to be. That agile or entrepreneurial yeah. in terms of your strategy. I, I think the agency piece is really key, and we kind of really pride, we, we sort of pride ourselves on our initial strategy was people want to work with us. They don't want us to pass like in a big corporate. You have to pass on a, you know, here's my new colleague. They're going to work on this for you. Yeah. They used to get so frustrated and say, "But I'm going to work with you because my relationships with you and you are." Kind of in a corporate, you've got this bureaucratic kind of world where you and red tape, you've got to pass things on. That's just the way it works, and that's right for a corporate business. But it's very frustrating for our clients, so we wanted to listen to our clients and say, Look, you will be dealing with us. And that was just music to their ears. Mm -hmm. And because in our industry, when you go up the ladder, you tend towards the going to managerial roles, and therefore you step away from the actual part of the role that you really enjoy, which is what you're starting, which is the business development. relationships and working on jobs so i think that was a it's not at all sort of our usp but i think it was a thought process we had which really worked for us at the time with, mm-hmm. with clients that we've known for a long time they're like great i'm really pleased i can work with you i don't mm-hmm. have to deal with you know someone else i don't know very well at all so when you think about growing mm-hmm. how are you going to make sure that doesn't happen it's hard mm-hmm. it is uh, i think we we've got a um, we don't have an overly crazy ambition to grow by headcount. Okay. So I think the traditional way of growing a recruitment company is throw heads at that issue. Yeah. And, and you know, two of our competitors have just taken private equity investment this last couple of months. And you can see the candidates going into those companies as, as recruitment consultants. And they're, they're not the calibre of the business pre-deal. And so you can kind of see what they're having to do is they're having to grow by head. So for us, I think actually what we want to do is be realistic in, in our approach that getting more out of less is probably the key strategy for us. Um, so we will probably look at one or two acquisitions. Um, so for example, an HR practice is something that we're looking at okay. um, and, and potentially a procurement practice. So, you know, there's a clear cross pollinization, I guess, from a client perspective. Um, but clearly, the people that we have working with us 
within Ignite Finance today have the ability to do a great deal more. So we'd rather pump investment into them to get them to become, say, three times more profitable for themselves and us than hire three more heads. Um, and, and if I'm honest, you know, I made that mistake in my previous employment where we just chucked heads and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, and it's quite nicely onto the scaling question I had is, what does scaling mean if it's not throwing heads at it? Yeah. Well, actually, it's interestingly, that I guess something that sits underneath all of that is investment in technology. Yeah. So um, where we where we would like to grow is both internationally and um, via one or two acquisitions that, that would work really sensibly with that client base, okay. and thirdly via you know technological advances. And we've done that in really small ways in terms of offering clients um, access to different products and suites of services that we didn't do both in our previous businesses, but also here, these are sort of relatively new investments in the last 12 to 18 months. And that allows them to streamline their processes, create greater volume within slightly larger companies, um, and just be slicker across, across that platform. So I think that can help us scale. But realistically, do we want to be a 25, 40 person recruit company that we just want to be booty, um, you know, full of A plus people? And Vicky and I said at the same time, because that's what we talk about, um, and and, and work with A plus, you know, candidates and clients. And the minute you try and grow too quickly, I think you start becoming B minus quite quickly. You dilute it, it's so hard in any industry, but. Recruitment is so hard to find the right person culturally and that will bring the right skills to the role. Mm. It's really hard. You think it'd be easy because that's what you do for a living. It really is really hard. Yeah, yeah, if you think, you know, where you are now, if you're number two left tomorrow, yeah. as a finance <clears throat> professional and you called us, I could give you three really good CVs to replace them within, let's say, 48 hours. If Joe Blogs internally left tomorrow, that recruitment to recruitment sector doesn't operate at the same quality or pace, and thus you can be without someone for a year. You can have without that role filled for a year, um, which is I don't think very well known in our sector. Which is why James is incredibly supportive of growth via quality, and that might be ahead a year. You know, it may not be much more crazy in terms of growth. Okay. I, yeah, I guess the temptation, especially for startups, is to throw people at it because mm. it looks like you're doing more, your headcount's growing, mm. it's like it's going up and, and good, but it's more strategic, yeah. I guess, it's more yeah. thinking involved. Yeah, from a profit perspective, I believe we're his fastest growing profitable company since he's been doing this. So we're doing something from a profit perspective brilliantly. Yeah. From a headcount perspective, we may be a frustration of this, but that's a frustration that um, we talk about on a monthly board meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so going back to the, the first um, few days, I guess, how did you tell the world Ignata was open for business? How did you attract the customers? Yeah. Candidates. It's quite yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Feels like a lifetime ago, yeah. in a good way. I, th- I think ultimately, you, you post your job update on LinkedIn and then wait for the <laughs> abundance of very high messages and, and start reaching out that way. But I think. Well, we had the so, so Ben was out of restrictions, so Ben could do a lot more than us. Okay. 
Steve and I were still in administration, so we had to be one to the night and six months, which we were. But Ben, you know, very much reached out to a lot of old connections which he knew, which were really loyal. I mean, the loyalty is something is a is a really sort of a point that we should stress. Mm. So many of our clients and candidates are extremely loyal. Mm. You know, people that we might not have spoken to for a long time, but saw it because they really liked, it's almost like they really wanted to back us in the business. Mm. Okay. Rather than giving it to a large fish, so to speak, they wanted to really see it, it succeed. And that's going to be down to our quality of our relationships, really. And um, so it was very much the same, the very traditional ways in which you market roles well are and you find candidates. And the message was out there on LinkedIn and people heard through the grapevine. It's such, you work in a very small community. Okay. Everyone knows everyone, don't they? You know, let's be honest. It's like recruitment, like finance, you know, in any industry or something, it's always, everyone knows everyone, it feels like. So it, it kind of evolved, didn't yeah. it, over time. Um, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't one specific thing, you see what I mean? Lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how do you? Uh, so you're right. So I would have the relationship with you, you or mm-hmm. Steve, not necessarily Ignato or yeah. anyone else. So yeah, how do you stop? Now you're growing your own company. How do you stop that happening with the guys? You guys here. Uh, it's a really good question, actually. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, our most like new and inexperienced consultant went for lunch with the client. And he spent a fortune and he phoned Vicky and I stressing and he said, you know, crikey, um, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm so, so sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. It's fine, you've got an amazing relationship, how much is it? Um, <laughs> and it wasn't a small amount of money, um, but what was really lovely about that was that it demonstrated that he was treating this as though it was his own business mm-hmm. and, you know, completely, you know, scared of any repercussions that he might have overspent. And I think what we want to do is, is is pick that up and you know sort of create that as our as our culture. And I, I believe every one of the nine feels like that. And what we're looking as a as a threesome is how do we create a longer term incentive for all of those people to share in the upside of the, the growth of the business. And that's not to give a, a fine, straight, confidential answer to what we do, but I we really, really um, we really, really reward loyalty outside of financial ways. And um, I think the guys would say that this is an incredibly um, rewarding place to work on the basis that they've all personally and professionally developed since they've worked here, as have we. From them, you know, from the newest, say, graduate, we're learning from that individual all the time. From the non-fear learner, we're learning from her day in, day out, because they all have these different skills. So I think what we want to do is try and find a structure whereby the future of the business is the guys that we have today and they have a, a stake in the future profits of, of the organisation. And if we can find something that works well, that's what we want to do to ensure that we don't lose the Ben and Vicky like someone lost us four years ago. And it's also just harness a culture which is really hard because when you grow, you have to keep that. And that's a very you know, scenario that we have been through. And we have this really inclusive, fun, just really, we're very open, there are no secrets, there are no like conversations that we squirrel away and talk, you know, we are very open and everyone feels a part of it and we listen to people's opinions. So, you know, be it the youngest or the most junior person in the team, their, their opinion matters. 
and actually tell us a lot that we don't know, yeah. from, you know nice. from the things that we don't think about. So actually, I think because of that, because they learn, they learn, and they're very open to say, that's not me saying that, they're very open to sort of say, we just learned so much on the job by listening to you rather than formal mm. training, okay. that they're still eager to learn more. Mm. Because, so, you know, a lot of businesses do these, you know, monthly snazzy lunches and quarterly incentives, a trip to Ibiza, whatever yeah. it might be. And my experience of going on all of those previously was that no one really wants to be there and they want to be with their family and yeah. it was time away and it wasn't actually hugely appreciated. So we, all of our awards incredibly bespoke to individuals okay. and, and we do stuff as a team regularly, but it's not, it's not signposted as a, this is it, you know, I think that's quite refreshing is that we'll just do things regularly. We just paid for a PT to give anyone in the office up to three hours a week in okay. personal training. Uh, and obviously that is as a team, like two of us went this morning at, you know, silly o'clock in the morning. It was quite fun. Next Monday at half 12, probably seven out of nine will be there. So it's just those little things that we're trying to do that we didn't get done for us, that we're trying to incentivize the guys to come up with these ideas. And the PT one wasn't my pick of C's idea. It was, it was someone, someone else's. And so okay. we'll, we'll take those kind of things on board. And hopefully that creates a retention strategy around feeling part of something. Yeah, when I was doing my masters and interviewing all the CEOs, they said the worst thing you can do is give people money because all that really does is gives you leverage for the next company that they go to. Mm. I'm getting this much money from you. Yeah. I want more. Yeah. It's very true. I think for me, no one ever, like, okay, I was married to Vicky, but no one ever did anything with that horse. Right? So, you know, you're still married to Vicky. Yeah. 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 I met a client yesterday and he said, um, you know, we will, we will put on a summer party for Joe Boggs, his wife, or husband and kids in the summer party. And I think that's incredibly inclusive. So we did the same, we did barbecue at ours and just said open, open door for all alike. And I think that kind of togetherness is quite intangible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of my questions were uh, based around that you wanted to do it for a while and then finally get around to doing it, mm. but it doesn't seem like it happens quite that way. Yeah. With you and Ignata, it was uh, somebody chasing you. Yeah. Which is, um, it's quite rare actually from everyone yeah. I've spoken to before. So they wanted to do it for a long time. Yeah. And then they finally just got around to doing it. Yeah. So, so I guess you're lucky, man. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like that. So, <clears throat> yeah, do, do you feel pressure and stress now? Do you still feel it or is it? So I felt pressure and stress when I didn't know my own business and I worked as hard as I do now. So yeah. I actually feel that the the input from me is identical, the output to me is much better. Okay. So I would just built a particular way that at 25, that's how I worked. And I treated it like my own company. I went the extra mile, I was available on weekends and evenings, and I still do that now, I don't do any more or less. Mm-hmm. I just think that the rewards are better. Um, and those rewards are not financial and financial. So um, you might have different answers to that, I know quite different different animals in, in certain ways, but... Um, I think you feel, I think you don't, it's not stress is probably not words. I think you feel, you, you're so, I mean, you're so desperate. I remember when we first started, I was desperate to make it work. I was desperate to succeed. And so, and that just, 
is because we're competitive and we get everyone to fail. And that's just that is just recruiters in general, salespeople in general, isn't it? Yeah. So I think I don't feel uh, you know, you're always concerned in the case of what we've got in the farm, but that's just our mentality. And you would probably look at the, the way we structure our business and go, you've got nothing to worry about. But actually we're terrible for between us, we don't do this with the team, we're very good at celebrating with the team because we're conscious we know that's the, you know that's what they need and they're here and we want to you know create that culture. But between us, yeah. we don't ever celebrate our success. No. We're terrible for it. We just go, right done, move on to the next thing. And we never reflect back and that's I think you touched on that previously. We don't think enough, we don't take time enough, we're always driving forward. Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to just take a step back and look at what you've achieved. And I'm not saying this, you know, we've achieved so much in a short space of time, but for us, we have. Mm. And we're really proud of where we've come, where we've, you know, where we've got to with this business in four years. But we never sit down and celebrate it. Yeah, I can relate to that actually. It was even through my sporting career and then doing the accountancy quicker than, than anyone else. But it was because I, I didn't expect anything else. Mm. I expected yeah. that to happen. Yeah. I would have been devastated if it didn't, but that's not the same as it's a relief that you, you've done it as opposed to yeah. happy that you've done it, right? You yeah. just expect yeah. it of yourself. We can see that in the guys, like a good example, and you through Ollie Swift, he's, um, he's been so good example of like autonomy. His motivator to leave where he was is he wants to start the same sort of practice, if that makes sense. You know, we're very commerce industry driven, and he wants to focus solely on projects and that clients. And um, we said, okay, fine, we, we back you to do that. And here's the business plan that we co-write together. But his his work ethic is is makes me look lazy, um, and um, he's he's relentless. And you know, we're constantly saying to him, "Great week, you know, some really impressive meetings." It's like, let's have a chat in two years. And I I think if you can bottle that, that's the makings of you know people that. People that celebrate, you know, one deal and go out for drinks and so on, this fine, but it just isn't us. And we kind of, we're really, really clear when we bring people into this business that we're not, we're not built that way. I was awful at this in my previous business where someone would go, oh, you've got to go and take Joe Boggs out for beer because they've just done a 7k fee. And I'm like, but they blanked three months in a row. Like, how are we even? contemplating, celebrating that. And that's just me, I'm a bit miserable. And I think I have to sort of park that and Steve's brilliant at being hugely positive. Um, but then I think you guys would say, but when some, I do say that's, that's brilliant, it really, really matters. Yeah. So I think there's a real tendency to sort of like over, like this job is all about champagne and razor blades. And if you can sit in the middle, that's a really safe, safe place to be. Yeah. And to go back to your first question about how stressful is it, there are only two things that stress me out professionally. One is if I cannot, for the love of God, find the right candidate for a particular difficult mandate, yeah. or someone internally is showing me signs that they're not engaged. And those are the two things I, I don't stress about whether we're going to be successful. I stress about those two really minor things which create a major outcome if we get them right. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so going back to before you actually started and you were um, using James's friends as a finance guy to say this is what your mm. plan's going to look like, what, what did 
what did they do and how did that help? So I guess if you, if he's modelled it and says yeah. you won't be making money until yeah. month eight, yeah. I mean, I guess that is some sort of relief that you're not expected to make money straight away. Yeah. Is that what you expected? Yeah. But we undercook everything. We're terrible for it. So you sit with all things and go, oh, we think we'll do all right. Or we <laughs> and we just, because we, we add on solid caution, we're really quite cautious people. We know what we do for a living isn't necessarily deemed that way, but we are quite cautious. So we, we, we didn't really have, we had a plan, so we had a forecast, we had a business plan, but we didn't really think it would over, we would over excel, did we? We hoped it would. Let's be honest. Recruitment budgets are completely pointless. Yeah. I've never ever enjoyed the process of putting together the next 12 months budget because you are solely reliant on everyone still being there this time next year and being as effective as they were this time or last year. And you know, in a bigger business, that's just literally finger in the air stuff. And I think with James, it's a bit easier because there were three of us and we said, look, we might hire one at the back end of this year, but we know we're good for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because we've always done that and we're not going to go backwards in that capacity. So I was pretty chilled about it on the basis that if you can rely on Stephen and Vicky to deliver what they always did before, then, then year one will look after itself. And the really interesting factor is that like Vicky is our best performer by quite some distance, but she will this year fear three times more than her best ever in her previous employment. Now, people always constantly say, how, why, and I, I think the, the key thing is probably a couple of us. Actually, I'll shut up. Why do you think you do it? I think I, I'm, not, I'm part-time, I'm a bit of a time but I think, I'm just working with amazing people. I don't take the credit for myself. Mm. I'm working with really fantastic people who create amazing opportunities because the income I was like that, you know, these guys are speaking about permanent laws day in, day out, interest slightly different. Yeah. Um, and I've got a great network of, of candidates who I've had for years and years and years. But I think, and I think it's because it's my own, not saying that I didn't, I work really hard mm-hmm. and really hard, but I think you just have a subliminal, I don't know, you've just got a really determination. I'm quite a determined person, and I was like, this is going to work. And I consecutively, for the, the first year we were in business, I did the same with my best ever. Mm. And then the, 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 the subsequent three years, I've done the same. So I've done three times better three years in a row. So it's not just a one-off. Mm. Even through pandemic, even mm. through, I don't know. I, I, and Steve, Steve, Steve's done all the things in his previous business. And- I hadn't seen her for 10 years before I started my own business, so I hadn't done the day job of being a recruiter. Yeah. And you still done double better than you ever did in the previous yeah, time and managed a business. It's bizarre. Wish I could tell you a total reason why. I, I think it's probably just two flips of the coin. I think one, you definitely have that subliminal piece that Vicky's on about. Uh, just you are probably a bit more believable and a bit more engaging because it's your own. Yeah. And secondly, I think people like to back good people that try and want to do it themselves. I think authenticity is a really big thing in our industry. And I think that you hear so many horror stories in our industry. <laughs> but you really do. And I think that our longevity is down to the fact that people truly trust us. Yeah. You know, I'll get candidates calling me that haven't even interviewed or a job through me that says, what do you think I should do? And you know, that's a testament to the relationship 
that they're not bringing the recruiters looking forward to that job, they're anything that isn't working on that role. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing. Look, I think that I hope that we we are seeing that way, but I think that was one of the probably <laughs> but um, you know, but I think we're part of authentic people, and what you, what you see is what you get. And I'll never ever, and I morally would never do anything. You know, like some in a mind in an interim, you what, what you pay your candidate, what you get paid, can be really you know diverse in terms of what charges are like. Yeah. And I'll never morally do anything that you wouldn't. It's not right for the candidate. The candidate always wins. And if I could do what okay I'll spit on please, but I would never do anything immoral. And I think people yeah. know that. Mm. You know, we don't try and fleece people or quick wins and forget about it, which is not that way inclined. So yeah. yeah, no. That's good to hear actually. Um, I still remember some horror stories that I've had in recruiters and of course you know none of you three or anyone else, but some oh, okay, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you just expanded into more into London with London offices. Yeah. How did, why London? What made you do that? So, um, so funnily enough, actually, you could almost say the reverse. So because of the twelve month restrictions I had, I focused solely on London. Okay. Of course, seeing different people turned up, and it's kind of stayed that way uh, with with lots of you know deviations because of relationships, but in general, that hasn't really moved. So. James owns an incredible property in Grove Street in Mayfair. Yeah. We're the only guys that use that, which okay. is amazing. Uh, lots of other people within his portfolio have their own offices dotted around London and elsewhere. Um, but that's our hub, uh, 60 Grove Street, which is incredible. And, um, and obviously it's a really great place to try and attract potential recruiters to come and join us, to use that incredible address with an amazing suite of rooms and places for them to entertain clients. Um, so it's actually quite seamless, it's almost reversed. Haywood City was second, okay. Grover Street was first. Um, and um, and yeah, I know we're like that is a great sort of asset for the business is being having able to use that address day in day out. And I'm down here in Haywood City today, but a great client of mine's interviewed two people this morning up in Grover Street it's a confidential mandate so yeah. the ability to use that as clients I think is pretty powerful okay probably not doing my research properly now. no don't worry to be fair it's really interesting talking to you because we don't shout about the business yeah maybe we should and certainly I say 90% of the people that do know us don't really know the full story because we were reluctant to talk about ourselves yeah. and more Let's just get into this. You know me, you know me for 10 years, crap on. Let's talk about you and how I can help you. And actually, yes, of course, people are uber inquisitive, but we, we don't. We only created the website properly six months ago. Before that, it was an awful shower of you know what, um, because we just didn't invest in it. I think the biggest learning learn in 2021 <laughs> is to invest in, in back office functions and operations yeah. and you know, effectively make everyone's life easier, even though that's going to take a, an edge off the profits. And I think that's been a bit of a, um, a change in mindset for the three of us to get our heads around. And that comes back to James, because as much as he's delighted the levels of profit, he's like, you're never really going to continuously grow if you guys are working seven days a week because your process is a bit rubbish or because you don't have enough in your research team. Because we do a lot of the exact search stuff, we're market mapping 
on every role that's retained. Okay. So we've now invested in four people to solely map out markets um, in order to create long lists and short lists for us to present within a fortnight instead of four weeks. Um, so that, that's been a massive mindset change for us thanks to a bit of cajoling by James. And we're also learning. Yeah. You know, we come from a corporate world. It's all new to us. Yeah. And, and, and therefore we are extremely lean. If anything, we're probably a bit tight, aren't we? But we do really need to start investing. And that's what we have done this year and we will continue to do because we do know we should. But we are, we just, it's a, it's a mindset as well. But James is the one telling us to do it. You know, you want to do it, you want to invest it, we're growing, we're doing it this way, but growing in terms of the right processes, the right back office functions. And we've got an amazing back office actually. Mm. You know, I'm pretty sure So that, that's one of the uh, yeah. sort of easy ways of scaling. James has a, for all intents and purposes, like a shared service centre for all of his portfolio companies. Okay. So if you started a new business today, yeah. he would give you an eighth of a management accountant, an eighth of a controller, an eighth of a marketing budget. And it's only in the last year where we've gone and actually created our own versions of all of that. Okay. And because we've hit a you know, particular scale where we have two people dedicated to us from management accounting and a, and a credit control side of things. Um, and HR, we use consultancy rather than have anything in an SNC environment. Yeah. Um, marketing, we just pay for a graphic designer or marketing agency. And I think that's the bit that we love is that not being told, here's your marketing manager, you've got to use him or her. It's like, go and find the best people to do this, negotiate the right price. And there's absolutely zero checking in. I think the only stuff we talk to James and Deepak, his chief investment officer, about mm-hmm. are whole scale changes such as MA or refinancing or you know, total and utter ridiculous ideas that we need sense checking. Anything that you would put in a normal CEO's bucket of decisions, they don't find out about on purpose, they don't want to know about it. Yeah. They don't they, they they don't even know who see this. James asked me the other day, how's Gilbert? <laughs> I don't know, it's great. <laughs> I think it's nice. Well, I, I think that's brilliant. You know, can I just have yeah. one to call it? <laughs> we, do, we do really enjoy working with him, don't yeah, we? It's fun. We yeah. really do. Him and Deepak, we do have so much, so much fun in the board meetings. He's actually he's really fun guy. And after every board meeting, Vicky says, oh, you're all right, you've dropped <laughs> <laughs> Comes up with a little nugget. You think. He also gives you the question, he gives you this take on it that you just never think about. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God, I'm, you're, not, you're not running the tools. How do you still remember this stuff? It's like, yeah, I'll do all right, you know. <laughs> just going back to saying that you're really tight and don't, don't spend very much money. When you first started, you said you pulled your money together. Mm. Where did you invest it? What did you decide to spend the money on then? Yeah, so so ultimately, we put the money into people. Um, we yeah. knew that if we were going to be a three-person business for long, yeah. this was going to be a bit of a pointless exercise. So yeah. we grew quite quickly. Um, and I think the key thing was when you're trying to attract people and you're an owner-managed company, they're typically expecting you to say, can you work for close to free? But I'll give you a share on the upside. And we did the opposite. We yeah, said, exactly. whatever you're on now, yeah. we'll give you more than that. 
we'll create a really compelling um, commission scheme, a bonus structure, yeah. we've got a long-term incentive plan, all of that existed on day one, um, and, and naturally we also then had to start funding interims. So the second part of the question was, we didn't expect Vicky to get off quite so fast, okay. and so, you know, funding, we've now got 53 interim sort of FDs, CFOs, and heads of finance working for us. Yeah any range of like 500 quid a day to 1500 quid a day very quickly we'd run out of money if we hadn't pulled out personal money into that that pot um, and it started getting used really quickly so what we learned from Deepak and James was it's less about margin improvement it's more about payment days and terms which is again we're so naive so naive um, and and the valuation of a business what what does a potential purchaser of your company in years to come look at totally future cash flows. We had no idea. We had absolutely no idea. We just learned so yeah. much over this four year period mm-hmm. of, the, of how you sort of put those value calculations. And you know, we had a board meeting this week and Deepak said your balance sheet is is one of the best thing. You know, probably we are a bit tight, but also because we're just very sensible, we've got amazing credit control, we've got such low debt days, we're very um, cute with our payment terms with clients, and we just walk away from anything too long. And that amazes people that we don't want business on the basis of that. But that is a, it's actually a negative effect on our business if we sign up to long payment terms with clients. It's always worth, it's always a negative effect. Especially with interim and you've got invoice discounting involved, yeah. it's almost a negative, so you wouldn't do it. But based on the purpose of you speaking to us, you know, what, what are lessons or what are things you do again? Yeah. Like, I, if I could tell myself now, four years ago, that that's the key area for you to focus well, there's probably three things that, because all our clients are typically sort of private equity banks, they often say to us that if I was looking at buying you, these are things I would get you to work on. And I wish I'd known this four years ago, not two years ago, which is when we started working on it. The first thing was, it can't be about you three. It's pointless. It's, yeah. it's, not an, it's not an investable company. You need to be more international rather than London and Southeast, um, which now 20% of our business is outside the UK. So moving in the right direction, but we're nowhere near what they would say is, is a sensible number. Um, you need to be heavily interim focused, which we've got perfect. We're 50-50 permanent interim, so okay. that's really good. And you need a, an abundance of recurring clients that continuously come back to you, which is probably the best part of our business is that we don't do much business development because we're so lucky that those clients are coming back. And our whole strategy is about doing more with less, and, and so that works. But then underpinning all of that is everything that the payment terms, the investment in people, the credit controller, you know, just so much in there in terms of the mechanics of running a business, we have absolutely no idea. Why would you? you you're effectively, I was just a glorified recruiter at my place, uh, running a sensible-sized team. And now I really feel I know how to run a business and what key metrics and, and parameters we should work within. Um, and I wish I'd known that stuff four years ago would have been a lot better. That's what we call that. Naivety of startups. Right. I think, had you known what you know now, then would that not put you off? No, I, I don't think so. I think we'd have been we're we're, we're laser focused on stuff. So yeah. when 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 this was explained that the key metric for you should be more about test days and payment terms, then yeah. it is that top line growth. Yeah, three of us 
which all kind of cash flow things. All over. And we, we, you know, we've got, we haven't had to use our invoice discounting servicing. Yeah. There's cash in it. Okay. And, but we're still paying for insurance every week. Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't had to do that because we are so laser focused on, on to achieve the right services. But, so, the guy is going back to your point earlier about, you know, how you create that inclusiveness. I think we haven't, they just jumped on the stuff and gone, this is really important. Yeah. I, let's just say Sam, you know, he's negotiating a deal with a client he's worked with for years and they're trying to push him down on margin. Sam would normally say, okay, fine. And now what he's doing is saying, okay, fine, because he's we're not that bothered about one cent here or there, yeah. but I need it to be on these payment terms. Whereas before, yeah. it just didn't, it wasn't in the flow. It didn't factor into the law process. And I think that's another reason why these guys are loyal, they sit with us, because we, they learn so much more commercially. Yeah. And they're so hungry to learn it as well. It's not a case that they're almost, it goes to one or the other. They want to be, they want to be the best they can be and to be as commercial. And our job is about being very commercial. And I think that that's, the, that's something that they learn, different scenarios every day. And we're also open about anything. They may throw problems and what, do, what can we do in this scenario? We don't know everything. Yeah. But yeah, but there's an open forum there. They get so much out of it. They're being back in the office as well, three days a week. is really helpful for that. Yeah. In comparison to being at home. Well, we do bombard them all teams calls, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I saw you yesterday posting another job. With the dogs. With the dogs, yeah. Yeah. Managing director. Should you be doing that? Is that how you see your it's a really It's a really good question because um, I don't really care whether you're MD or the newest kid on the block. Um, if this is a candidate-led market, it yeah. is unbelievably short for candidates. Yeah. And um, there's an element of total and utter truth going, I actually can't do any of these postings until these dogs shut up and just even put them there. And there's a very clear idea of, yeah, I want people to engage in me, my life, and, you know, the reality of what, what it is. Yeah. And I was thinking earlier, possible with dogs, I might get Spencer and Marty, our kids, to talk about the next job. And it's a really good point that you've raised, and it's a challenge. And, and do you know what? If, if, if client X thinks it's a bit naff, that's fine. You know, everyone's got an opinion. Um, for us, our success, I think, is down to the engagement with individuals and their peers, right? And um, I've had a ridiculous amount of hilarious WhatsApp messages from people I, I know and don't know very well saying, I thought that was hilarious. And, you know, so I think about Kim, humility, Kim, yeah. Kim's yeah. to you yesterday just saying, this keeps me going across the week. And Steve has got his daughter to teach him how to use TikTok to post an advert. And yeah, I looked at it and I didn't think, okay, if you're trying to be called Ferry, and pitch for the CEO of Mark Spencer. I get it. It's probably not quite on brand. Um, but we're punching where above our weight with exec search roles, with CEOs, CFOs, and half of them were the ones that messaged me yesterday saying, I thought it was hilarious. I'm a chairman of big P firm X. And I think, fine, fine by me. But it's a really good thing to know because it did go through my mind, not yesterday, otherwise I wouldn't. Might have done it, but it went through my mind today about thinking I might get sense to face my next one because we're, we're, we need to be innovative and we need yeah. to be um, solutions focused. Because frankly, whacking efforts out there 
yeah. is not generating cantaloupes. But it also yeah. makes the tea from the front unterrible with the gauge. You'll never see me on this because I absolutely, like, absolutely hate things like that. For me personally, I love the team doing it. Yeah. And they've got so much traction, and Lucy does it all the time, and Steve's Steve's favourite thing is doing the videos. Yeah. But but when you get back to Shibi and Lucy, doing it 150%. Because in those in the corporate world we worked in, our managers didn't feel and how could they sit there and tell you the way you should do your job they didn't need from the front in the first place? And that was one of my biggest bugbears of being a consultant in that world. Okay. Because they come and they'd almost lecture you on what you need to be doing, but they had nothing to reference it by. Yeah. And you're like, well, how can I respect that if you're not doing it yourself? Yeah. Whereas then, totally do everything. I'll put his money where his mouth is every Shameless. time. <laughs> and I don't, I don't do it, I just don't like, I mean, for me, I'm just quite, I'm not shy, but I'm shy in that way. But I will do it because I get forced to do it. So every now and then you'll see a video of me, but it's not my comfort zone. But Ben and Stephen literally love it. But that was not our idea, Jack. It was that was again, you know, trying to do some innovation stuff. Yeah. And two or three guys in the office said, "I think we need to invest in some tech." Yeah. This was the tech company we 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 met. They're brilliant. They came up with some really great stats about engagement, yeah. and they showed us videos of non-recruitment related companies using the same tech to talk about high level stuff with a bit of jovial nature and their engagement with their customer went through the roof and that was enough for me to try it. And I just think ultimately, you know, it's a bit of fun and work isn't always about being completely boring. Yeah, but to me though, that's what entrepreneurism is. You try it, it doesn't work, don't do it again. Yeah. But yeah, you've got that freedom to get yeah. it going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I know I spent more time than I said I would. Um, but you, as you said earlier, you went to um, business school just before you started. Yeah. And asked, was that conscious that you thought you needed to do No, this is the thing I'm most grateful for my previous employer for. Right. So they incredibly sponsored me to go to IMD and do my sort of mini MBA. Yeah. Um, and that was the most rewarding professional experience of my life without a shadow of that. I got so much out of that. Um, emotionally, broke me and uh, they said it would do. I thought it was rubbish. It absolutely broke me, didn't it? Um, and um, yeah, like, you know, a lot of people reference like lifelong friends and, and connections. I actually haven't carried any of those on, which is bonkers for a recruiter not to have done. Yeah. But what I what I still do today is mainly based on what I learned from, from that experience. Um, and a lot of that is about leadership and mainly being an emotionally intelligent human being. Yeah. And, and then as a result of it, I went and talked to an amazing company who um, trained me to become an emotional intelligence coach. Okay. Um, and yeah, obviously there are some upsides personally and professionally out of that, but I got so much out of doing that with IMD, it then led to becoming this coach. And as part of the day job, I then roll that out with clients and I, I've done some really interesting things with clients where I've taken a group of like regional finance managers and said, right, okay, let's work on X, Y, and Z. They take the report, we analyze it together, and that's non-recruitment related fee income, but it's it's five percent of what we make a year okay. from that kind of consulting service. Okay. And that was always the result of IMD. Um, I met someone there that had just done that that course. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of really, really you know, sort of clever for you to think about. Go, go and have a look at it. Okay. So that's sort of, if, if there's 
other people that want us to do their own startup, would you recommend that they do an MBA type of thing first? Or? Um, is it not something to, uh, to do first? I think you get the opportunity. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm trying to think, again, I was lucky that this was an idea. Yeah. So again, this is a lot of people coming to me and saying, I think you should do this, maybe I need to take something out of today and be a bit more initiative oriented. Um, I think you have, I think I speak to a lot of young people who say I want to go and do an MBA. Yeah. And I think, what are you going to relate it to? Yeah. I did have 12 years worth of experience to relate back. And, and the last five or six years were all leadership orientated. I wasn't doing the role of a recruiter. So I had so much, I'd made so many mistakes that I was like, right, I just need to have an open forum. And these companies are like the likes of Nestle or Ford or IBM. They're not not my business. Yeah. So there were non-recruiters in the room. Um, so they, you were learning so much out of that networking aspect of it. It was amazing. Uh, but I think you need to do it probably at the stage where you've got something. It's like the sandwich, you know, some work experience, MBA, more work experience to top all of it off. I, I do meet a lot of people who go, I'm going to do it quite early on in my career. And I think, are you going to benefit as much? I mean, will a company that's sponsoring you benefit as much as well? But it's an amazing, life-changing experience. Okay. Okay. And just finally, any any advice that you'd tell yourself four years ago in your future startups? Do it with the first entry on set. Yeah. Don't be a win. Don't be, do, do, do. Don't be risk averse. Do first thing Don't marry someone that does yeah. the same job as you because there is no let up. And I feel sorry for my kids. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. It's just do it earlier. You just got to you just got to take the ball by the horns. Saying that though, if I'd done it ten years ago, would we be where we are? I don't know because we we, we learn so much along the way. However, I wish I'd done it earlier. Okay. I really do. That's it for this week. A huge, huge thank you to Ben and Vicky for giving up their time and sharing their experiences with us. That's Ben and Vicky Sears, and you can.